Okay, well, next thing, Sean, you're going to tell me that you think that Armageddon is a dumb movie. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. He was the king of the hellfighters, a fearless battler of the most dangerous kind of fire ever known the oil well fire. This week, we look at the life of the great Red Adair. But first, how hot are you? Well, I'm, it's so hot here, I saw a funeral procession pull through a Dairy Queen. It's also so hot that uh, <laughs> the... Uh, it's also so hot the Baptists are sprinkling, the Methodists are spitting, uh, and the Catholics are giving out rain, rain checks. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, it, I'm, I'm pretty hot. I mean, this is a, this is a hot summer, and uh, I'm hot enough that I was slightly refreshed by the cold front that came through last night. Um, it actually dropped down into double digits today. Yeah, 99. Yeah. Which is better than 110. It is. It is. It's refreshing. Really it is refreshing. It uh, when you when you step outside, it feels like the oven is merely preheating as opposed to uh, full heat. You know, I I was first gonna like, sing the George Jones "Hotter Than a Two Dollar Pistol," um, <laughs> but reminded me of when I first got into working. <clears throat> I worked with a guy who was originally from. Um, he was from the Ivory Coast in Africa. His name was Beto. And I remember we had to leave one office and go to the other office to pick up some equipment. And it was a record-breaking triple-digit summer in Dallas. And it was so hot. And we drove. <laughs> and, I, and I just remember saying, you know, man, Beto, this is hot. And he's like, it's so hot, Mike. I said, it's like Africa hot. And he said, oh, no, Mike. Africa is not this hot. <laughs> 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 oh, it was miserable. So, well, listen. Let's. Uh, this is a man. This is a man who told you he was going to give you a hoe and a machete. Oh, he was eating out that. that I love Vito. He was such a great guy. Such a great guy. I uh, love working with that guy. Hey, uh, let's let's talk about about real heat. So it's August in Texas, and as can be expected, it is ridiculously hot. Temperatures in Texas have been hitting the 110 since mid-July. But as hot as it may be in the Lone Star State, it does not hold a candle to how hot it can get when an oil well goes up in flames. And when that happens, in the face of thousands of degrees of burning crude oil and natural gas, it takes a special breed of tough, and some say crazy, to have the sand to go in and put those fires out. For most of the second half of the 20th century, there was nobody tougher or more associated with fighting oil well fires than Texas' own Red Adair. Paul Neal Red Adair was born June 18, 1915 in Houston to Charles and Mary Adair. He was one of eight children. He got his nickname because of his fiery red hair, presumably from his father's Irish heritage. Adair grew up in the Houston Heights neighborhood and went to school at Harvard Elementary, Hogg Junior High, and Regan High School. And that's at the famous Texan, not the later American president. There he played football, and he was an all-city halfback in the ninth grade. He also witnessed his first oil well fire at age six, and it apparently brought out an innate engineering skill in him. According to his biography, An American Hero, The Red Adair Story, he assured his playmates that he could put out the fire by building a truck, quote, the size of a house, 
that would transport huge volumes of water to the source of the fire. Red hoped to go to college, but he had to drop out of school to help support his family in 1930 when the Great Depression forced his father to close his blacksmith shop. Red did a variety of work during this time, including a short stint as a semi-professional boxer. In 1936, he went to work for the Southern Pacific Railroad. In 1938, Adair got a job in the oil industry, joining the Otis Pressure Control Company. He was a worker in the oil fields of Texas and neighboring states, but despite his lack of formal engineering training, he spent his off hours studying and sketching designs for improved extraction equipment. He was drafted into the U.S. Army in 1945, near the very end of the war, and first got his taste of hazardous duty, serving with the 139th Bomb Disposal Squadron and attaining the rank of Staff Sergeant. While in the Army, Red learned about controlling explosions and fires and was shipped off to dispose of bombs in Japan until the spring of 1946. When Red returned to Houston from the Army, his experience in an elite unit tasked with highly dangerous missions served him well, as he was hired by pioneering oil well firefighter Myron Kinley. Kinley and his father Carl had innovated most of the techniques for oil well blowouts and fire control, including using explosives to deprive a fire of oxygen. Kinley recognized Adair's talent and drive and took him under his wing as a mentor. Adair worked for Kinley for 14 years helping to put out oil well fires and capping blowouts all over the country and the world. In 1959, Adair resigned from M.M. Kinley and formed his own company, the Red Adair Company Incorporated. Through the techniques that he learned from Kinley and from disposing of bombs for the Army, Adair was able to develop many of the tools and strategies strategies to control oil well and natural gas well blowouts and fires, and many of those strategies are still used today. He also used his colorful personality, his personal courage, and his fighting image, complete with a distinctive red jumpsuit, to create a brand for himself. In a very short time, the Red A Dare Company became a world-renowned name for fighting oil well fires. On average, during its 35 years under Adair's leadership, the company put out about 42 fires a year and in nearly every oil-producing country. By 1961, Adair's fame first extended beyond the oil industry, and he became a household name. He was already well-known in the industry itself. He'd put out the difficult offshore Catco oil fire in 1959 and many other fires both inland and offshore. In November 1961, a Phillips Petroleum natural gas well in Algeria had a blowout. The flames from that blowout extended over 700 feet and burned 550 million cubic feet of gas per day. The flames were so high that astronaut John Glenn reported seeing the fire as he orbited from space. The fire came to be known as the Devil's Cigarette Lighter. Adair was hired to take on the fire in late November of 61 after other attempts to put it out had failed. He spent months preparing to put out the flame and cap the well, and had enormous equipment built on site to handle the pillar of fire. Since the fire was in the Sahara Desert, water had to be pumped from wells and stored in three separate reservoirs, each 10 feet deep and the size of a football field. Red had several bulldozers customized with special housing units and fitted with hooks to pull away debris. After all preparations were made, men and equipment were soaked with water constantly as they carefully approached the fire in their famous red coveralls and helmets. Nitroglycerin was then placed near the base of the fire and ignited. The explosion sucked the oxygen from the air and drowned out the fire. Red had been using the technique for years and had learned it from Myron Kinley, but it had never been used at this scale or with this level of preparation. Once the fire was out, Red's team removed the wellhead and capped the well on May 28, 1962, 
six months after the fire had started. The success of blowing out the devil's cigarette lighter made him an icon and put him in the newspapers around the world. Soon it became clear that if you had a tough job, you called Red. And, and indeed, for most of the public, he was the oil well firefighter. And by the way, there were others, but he was the one that everybody knew. He and his men became known as the Hellfighters, and nobody doubted their toughness, bravery, or skill. Many of his top crewmen founded competing companies of their own using techniques they learned from Adair, including Boots Hansen and Ed Coots Matthews, who founded Boots and Coots International Well Control Incorporated. Uh, by the way, I, I picture those guys as LQ Jones and um, uh, and uh, Strother Martin. <laughs> you know, boots and coots. Well controlled. We're going to put out that fire, boys. <laughs> that does not seem out of character for any of the uh, people I know that function and work in the oil industry. Yeah. Well, at any rate, they, they formed their own company. But, you know, nobody came close uh, to gaining reputation in the industry or outside of it that Red had. Adair put out several more notable fires in his career, including an offshore rig in Louisiana in 1970 and a 1977 blowout in the North Sea. In 1988, his success in putting out the massive fire at the Piper Alpha rig off the coast of Scotland brought Adair even more renown. Using the ship he helped design, the Theros, Red approached what was left of the offshore rig and used the equipment he designed to battle the blaze. By this time, he was 73 years old and no longer able to jump from his ship to an oil rig, so he had two of his men climb onto what was left and clear the debris. Once most of the debris was cleared, the men began to put out the fires using nitroglycerin in the ocean water. As often as not, the men had to fight the difficult wind and weather of the North Sea as they did the fire itself. Eventually, Red and his team were able to put out the fires and cap the wells. The Piper Alpha Blaze brought Red into the public eye once again, and three years later he was called into action for perhaps his biggest challenge ever. In 1991, in the closing days of the Persian Gulf War, Saddam Hussein's armies retreated from Kuwait, ignited many oil wells there in order to keep them out of the hands of the Kuwaitis and the Americans. Many of the most famous images of the war were the vast fields of towering flames in the Kuwaiti desert. The volume of the fire and the extreme damage to the wellheads caused by the explosives meant that there was no one way to put out the fires. More than 100 wells were ignited, and it was estimated that it would take three to five years to put them all out, which would be even more devastating for the economy and environment of Kuwait. Red Adair, at 76 years old, said he could do it in less than a year. He finished in nine months. The environment that Adair and his team encountered was extreme. Thick black smoke made it impossible to get any sense of direction. There was little to no infrastructure since either the Iraqis or the coalition bombers had all wrecked it. Adair and his team were housed in ransacked, bomb-damaged buildings, but the, most but the most serious problem was the lack of equipment and especially of water. Adair decided to exploit pipelines used to carry oil from stations in the oil fields to the Persian Gulf. These would be reversed to carry salt water from the Gulf back to fight the fires, a plan that required pumping the 1.5 billion gallons of water that were used. Adair had to fly to Washington in June to testify in order to get his equipment. With his flair for showmanship, he showed a dramatic slide presentation, explaining that extinguishing a fire is not the most difficult part. It was ensuring that the well did not reignite and kill the crew working on top of it. He also met with President George Bush, who he'd known for years when the president had lived in Houston, and got personal guarantees of support from the White House. 
By the end of November, all of the well fires were extinguished, with the Emir of Kuwait ceremonially extinguishing the last fire. This accomplishment was the capstone of Adair's career. Two years later, in 1993, Adair finally retired and sold the Red Adair Company. He then started Adair Enterprises, which was a consulting company that helped other firefighters. Many of Red's firefighters went on to form their own companies after they'd worked for him. On top of working in the field as much as he could, Adair had also designed and developed many different types of firefighting equipment. His equipment was so innovative that he had formed a separate company, the Red Adair Service and Marine Company, in 1972 to sell firefighting equipment to others in the industry. Many of the designs that he had built, including ships, are still in use today. But he was most proud of the crew that he formed. He said once, quote, Throughout my years, I've had the pleasure of assembling and training what I believe to be the best group of people in the world. People with the presence of mind to deal with any flare-up, including my own. People who share the belief that nothing is impossible. Red's work brought him many awards. He received the Walton Clark Medal of Citation from the Franklin Institute. The city of Houston presented him with the Outstanding Houstonian Award and the Houston Distinguished Sales and Citizenship Award. Although much of his fame came from his reputation as a fearless risk-taker, Adair was also known to be a stickler when it came to safety. He boasted that none of his men had ever been killed or seriously injured while working for him. He always said, quote, with bombs and fires, you only get one mistake. Perhaps the thing that people remember most about Red Adair is his colorful personality and his wit. Among his many notable quotes were the following. If you think it's expensive to hire a professional to do the job, wait until you hire an amateur. Uh, I think I've used a similar version of that myself. Um, he also said, I've got cut half and two once and blowed up a time or two, but nothing permanent. <laughs> nice. And he said, I've, I've done made a deal with the devil. He said, you're going to give me an air-conditioned place when I go down there, if I go there, so I won't put all the fires out. <laughs> mm, nice. Good old Red. Thanks to the fame that he had gained when he put out the Devil's Cigarette Lighter, a film was made that loosely was based on Adair's life. That movie, of course, is John Wayne's Hellfighters, starring John Wayne, Vera Miles, and Catherine Ross. It was released in 1968, and Red served as the technical advisor. While it mostly got negative reviews, it had some spectacular stunts that tried to be as realistic as possible, thanks to the influence of Adair's advice. Even today... This movie is probably what most people think of when they think of the great Red Adair. Red stayed active in the firefighting business until he died at the age of 89 on August 7, 2004, in the city of Houston. He was survived by his wife, Kimmy, and a son and a daughter. Today, Adair is honored in his home of League City, Texas, which has a road named after him. This road circles the dock where he kept a boat, where he spent many of his later years enjoying uh, his life. Good old Red Adair. Um, mm -hmm. I... I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through, but I do have an image in my head of a particular scene in the Hellfighters where they're they're putting out one of the fires. There, and, uh, yeah, I know that so, I've I know that I saw it when I was a kid because I I have I do have fond memories of watching that movie. Of course, then I went I, and looked the but I mean I was young when I I remember being young and watching like my dad or something like that or, or somebody was watching it and I did, but then I went and I said let's just check the old rotten tomatometer, and it's uh, fourteen. It's poorly reviewed. <laughs> fourteen. I mean, there's there's a scene at the end, the the climactic scene is they're putting out this oil well fire in uh, Venezuela. 
Venezuela, or I think he's Venezuela, uh, while the revolutionaries are attacking, mm-hmm. and his he's trying to he's still trying to get back with his wife and his daughter and his son-in-law who works for him is are are there trying it's all there's all this domestic drama going on while he and his crew are fighting a fire in Venezuela while the revolution is going on okay well next thing Sean you're going to tell me that you think that Armageddon is a dumb movie yeah it's, i love armageddon i lo- and actually some of the plot points and some of the characteristics of these of the characters in Armageddon are lifted out of <laughs> Red Adair's life and of of the Hellfighters. But he's like, I mean, Red Adair was. I mean, I remember in, nine, in after the, the Gulf War. You know, we were in high school when the Persian Gulf War happened. You know, when Operation Desert Storm. Yeah, no, I remember. I rem- I mean that that the defining image, one of the defining images, besides the the camera bombs, you know, and. And the, the 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 Iraqis surrendering to drones uh, was the fires of the oil wells. The the shots of the jets flying over Kuwait and the and just you could as far as you could see these 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 wells these shooting flames are coming up. And I remember people you know you know living in in uh, Central Texas, South Central you know or Central Texas, East Texas, people were like, oh, it's going to be bad out there. It's going to be bad out there. And then as soon as the news broke that they'd hired Red. To come and put that fire out, people that I knew in the oil industry were like, "Okay, well, we'll, we'll be back to oil prices will be back to normal in about in about six months." Because Red's going, he's going to take care of it. So, I mean, that was that was the that was the cachet that Red Adair had was this was a tough job, and at seventy six years old, the still the man to go to was Red Adair. Yeah, get him. and you know, and I I remember you know everyone was so convinced that that was going to be years and years and years of mm-hmm. environmental disaster and loss of production and and all mm-hmm. of that and um no Red Adair came in and yeah. and did his job that uh, no one else uh, really had the reputation for yeah. I mean I I honestly you know couldn't name another oil well fighter but I know who Red Adair is well, well now you know who Boots and Coots are so yeah Boots and Coots <laughs> Boots and Coots. But uh, you know that that uh, that that devil's devil's uh, <laughs> devil's cigarette lighter. I mean, that's pretty insane. That yeah. and the idea that you've got a fire that's shooting up seven hundred feet, and you're leading a crew in there. And 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 I was reading about it. They they had these. They took these bulldozers and they turned them into tanks. They, yeah. they completely armored them. Uh, and. And they and they took these li- these they squad of bulldozers and and attacked it like a military operation, and they 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 drove these these bulldozers as close as they could to that well to next to that well, and then with nitroglycerin, <laughs> and they put the nitroglycerin at the well and they set it off. That's crazy. Like human beings yeah. shouldn't think that way. Yeah, but no doubt, uh, you know, as as the yeah. quotes from from red said you know you only get one mistake with explosives yeah, so yeah, exactly. um you know he he had the presence of mind and the know-how to be sure you know it's like okay if we do this and we do this and we do this then everything will be fine and it'll work yeah and that was a culmination of of you know 15 years of, of working for Kenley and 
Kenley had just in 58 had been severe, bad, badly injured in a, in an explosion in uh, Venezuela. Uh, so he'd seen when things went wrong and he'd seen when things went right. And then before that, the years of working in, uh, you know, the, the time in the army with explosives. So he, he definitely was, he definitely was a, you know, for all the image of the, I'm going to run into the fire, you know, just the reckless. He was, a, he was actually very, very meticulous in his, in his work and his preparation and his execution. So, well, yeah, you don't live that long in that but, kind of a job without yeah. being very cautious. So, but he also cultivated that image of the tough, the toughest SOB that there was, you know, the famous picture, the most famous picture I can remember of him is him walking away from a fire that he just put out and he's got this red jumpsuit and this helmet and he's, his face is completely pitch black, like just completely filthy and his hands are filthy and grimy. And like that to me is the image. You know, he cultivated this image of I'm the, I'm the most, I'm the craziest and the toughest guy you're going to find because that made him money, right? That made him, that made him successful and got in the job, got in yeah. the job. But what kept, kept the money coming, what kept the jobs coming was being the best and being, being so successful and so good and 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 the reason the men wanted to work for him is because he kept them alive and nobody got killed nobody got really hurt so that's that's a brilliant i mean that's a that's a great testament to his his capability but yeah 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 he's he's the fireman he's the old well fireman you know there's nobody nobody you know comes close to the reputation that he had i was reading about the gulf war thing they had to take different techniques. Like one of the techniques they had, they did was they brought in a MiG twenty one engine, a jet engine from a from a Hungarian fighter, uh, and they they put it on the back of a truck and they backed it up to the well, and they turned it on with with uh, uh, without the afterburner, so it wasn't blowing jet, but it was like blowing air, uh, and uh, so that they could like push the fire over enough to get the explosive into the into the wellhead. That's Which is some pretty ingenious thinking right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Crazy. <clears throat> and then there was a, and then there was another one. They built this They brought in a gigantic uh, one of those construction cranes. You know the ty- the kind you see like at a High not rise. a construction. Well, not a, no, not like that. No, like I'm sorry, like, like one of those cranes like you see at a coal mine, right? Oh, okay. One of those mine, one of those big, big, great big, huge gantries, right? They brought one of those in, and then like it was like this huge gantry, and then they rotated it over the well and dropped the dropped the explosive in that way. So it's like different different crazy things that they did to to get this done. Yeah, there's another great quote that I uh, that I found from Red Adair, and he says. Uh, it scares you. All the noise, the rattling, the shaking. But the look on everybody's face when you're finished and packing, it's the best smile in the world. And there's <laughs> nobody hurt, and the well's under control. Um, so definitely had a sense of satisfaction of a job well done. Beautiful. Yeah. You don't you certainly don't wanna you certainly don't wanna experience one of those going off. That's no, true. That gum sure. Yeah. And and I have to say that it's a it's a great example of the um, kind of the the modern Texan mindset that uh, I'm of, you know the boastfulness the swagger that uh, I will get the job done but having the the wherewithal and the, the professionalism to actually back that up and uh, you know I'm 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 glad he's Texan mm-hmm. me too 
That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two ends. And I'm Scotticus. If you love this show, if you love the brave and tough Texans that get out there and fight those hellfires, then tell your friends about what we're doing and leave a review on iTunes, because that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a come-and-take-it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.